When we all get to heaven, um, I have a question for you this morning. Uh, you don't have to answer it out loud. You can give me a, a simple head nod. But when we all get to heaven, do you like that song? Can I get a head nod? Yes, we like it. Nah, it's okay. If you don't like that song, I have one question for you this morning, okay? What's wrong? Like, like what's the matter if I don't like a message of when we all get to heaven? Years ago, I was part of a country church. I uh, went to school at Freed Hardeman. I would drive over and preach at this little country church. And they like to go through and mark in their songbooks. They like to add words, take words out, say, we sing this verse, we don't sing that verse. And we had an old man there. He was a seasoned guy. And his name was Virgil. And that's a strong name anyway. And he said, Tap, on this song, when we all get to heaven, I want to change it. And maybe you've heard this before, you've been a part of churches like this before. And I said, well, Virgil, what do you want to change? And he said, well, the message of when we all get to heaven, he said, I think we should change it to when the saved get to heaven. And he was serious. Uh, he, he was really serious that it should say when the saved get to heaven, not when we all get to heaven. Well, Virgil was married to a lady named Gwendolyn. All right, and these are names you can't make up. And he said, you know, I think we should change it to this. And Gwendolyn said, if we're part of a church that's doing our job, we don't have to change a thing. And, and I loved it. She said, if we're part of a church that's doing our job, guess what? Everybody in here is talking about heaven, what it's supposed to be, and all of us are singing this song together because we're excited and we're talking about heaven every day question for you. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? Does it describe me every day? I'm supposed to be somebody who's saved. I'm supposed to be somebody who's all about heaven, but if I'm being 100% honest, I walk around scared. I worry way too much. There are times when I will tell my kids how good God is. I'll tell them how great the church is. I'll tell them about going to heaven, but if you polled them, and I'm glad they're not coming to the second service, but if you polled them and said, does daddy live and operate out of an overflow every day that's all about heaven? I'm scared of what they might say. But well, what about you? And I like to preach from real life experience. I like to come from where you are and, and maybe where you've been. So let me tell you what gave us our message title today before we put it on the screen. Um, this week, I was driving home from work, and it wasn't a bad day at the office. It was just a, a day at the office. And, but I was driving home, and I thought, I can't wait to get there. Hey, have you been there before? You, you've gone through your workload, all right? You've gone through your charts, your flow, and everything you're supposed to do. Maybe kids, maybe you've been at camp. Uh, maybe you've been grinding, you've been doing something. And you said, I just can't wait to get to the house. I, I couldn't wait to get there. Uh, I was excited about it. I, we're in the stage of life where my wife, I'll walk in and she'll say, I'm so glad to see you, but she just hands me a baby. Uh, she doesn't even look at me. I could be like a stranger. I'm so glad to see you. But, but I'm just glad to be there. I, I'm glad to walk in to the house. And as I was driving there and I was excited about getting there, I thought, you know what? This is what it's all about. My family is so far from perfect. You know why? Because I live there. And, but I'm driving there and thinking to myself, I can't wait to arrive. I can't wait to get there. And isn't that supposed to be our description of heaven? It's, I go through life, man, but I can't wait to get there. And you see, this week, we've been part of coaching a little all-star team, a little, uh, little league all-star team uh, based out of our local Columbia team, and we played in a district tournament. 
And I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've ever coached a little league baseball team because you may be traumatized. All right, but, but we coached this team and we came out of the loser's bracket. And there was a lot of doubt. When you're seven and eight years old, there's a whole lot of doubt in can we do this out of the loser's bracket. And Tuesday night, we found ourselves playing in a game where we had to win a back-to-back. We had to win twice. Well, we go into the bottom of the sixth inning, and we're down 13 to 9. And let me tell you who I coach with. I coach with a local guy. You may know him, Stan Bell. Uh, I coach with Jacob Love. He may be a deacon at a church one day. And I also coach with my father-in-law, Randall Wilson. This is his redemption tour. Here's what I mean. He has three grown children. He coached them hard growing up. Now he exists to keep Jacob and myself calm. He'll come in. He'll say, hey, you want to talk to your wife tonight? Don't yell at the second baseman. I've got this, okay? And and he helps us a lot and walk through this. Well, here's how he helped us in this game. We're down 13 to 9. We're we're here in the 6. And the Little League rules are you can hang. We call it a 5 spot on somebody. And so all you can score is 5 runs per inning. And so we're down 4. The kids start packing up their gear. And if we're being honest, some of the parents did too. You know what I'm talking about. Yay, Timmy, fold up the chair. You know, yeah, let's go team. All right, we might make it home in time. And so there's a lot of things that are going on. I'm on my way to first base, making myself not argue a call the inning before, kind of walking over and trying to stay calm. And my father-in-law is in the dugout, looking at these little boys, some of them with tears in their eyes. And here's what he's saying to them. You ready? Are you ready to go home? And now you ask a seven or eight-year-old this, you're going to get an honest answer. Like, yes, sir, this is terrible. All right, and he says, are, are you ready to quit? And the boys look at him like, well, no, sir, no, sir. And he says, well, who's in charge? You've got an opportunity to go and hit. If you want to win, let's go do something about it. Let me tell you this. This is fun because this is real life. They go in. We win the game 14 to 13. I go over in front of the parents, and my role on the team is honestly just get everybody excited and and don't mess up everything at first base. And so I go over in front of the parents, and I say, do you want to go home? The same question he asked the kids. And all the parents are like, no. And they wonder why Columbia gets a bad rep. And, And we're over here yelling and screaming. These boys were so loose for the second game. They were so ready for the second game. They came out and won the second game 18 to 3. And it had nothing to do with coaching. It had everything to do with the fact that they were loose. They were excited. And you know what they were doing? They were living in the win. And in our title of our lesson this morning, you'll see, is We Win. And, and when I think about winning, that's supposed to be what we're all about. Jesus said we're supposed to have the heart of a what? A child. And when I'm supposed to have the heart of a child, I take a concept that the world makes way too hard, and you know what I do? I simplify it. And so if the world has made this idea of salvation and confidence, if they've made this so hard and complex, maybe it's time for the church to just live in what it is. We are supposed to be people who believe that victory belongs to us. We are supposed to be people. When I tell somebody that I worship at the church of Christ, hope your ears opened up right here. When I tell somebody I worship at the church of Christ, it's not supposed to mean this. I have all the answers and you don't. It's not supposed to mean, hey, you know the Bible? I own it. I've got it figured out and I'm better than you. When I tell somebody I worship at the church of Christ, that name means church, called out, group, of, belonging to who? 
Christ. All right? So when I tell somebody, hey, I worship at the Church of Christ, I worship with a group that belongs to Jesus. All right? We're just getting real simple here. Jesus is the author of hope. Jesus is the author of victory. Marty and I were talking about song selection today. And when I was a little kid, let me paint a picture for you here. I, I'm a, I've got a huge head. When it's time to size hats, the men at the store at Jones and Lane, they just laugh. All right? And I've had the same size head since I was eight years old. And so I was, I was Mr. Potato Head as a little kid. If you see Wyatt, just say, bless your heart. All right? and, but as a child, I remember this big-headed little boy here washing dishes. And I think we had a dishwasher that worked, but they made me do it anyway. Uh, but I'm washing dishes, and I'm singing song number 530 from the Creve Hall Church of Christ hymnal from the top of my lungs. You ready? I'm not going to do it for you. I heard an old, old story. Victory in Jesus. And I tell you this, I sang that song at the top of my lungs simply because I believed it. I can't tell you the last time I walked around my home singing victory in Jesus. I can't tell you the last time, true confessions here of a worn out dad. The last time I put Cole, Jax, Marley, Wyatt to bed and sang victory in Jesus. Shame on me. I can't tell you the last time I talked about the idea with people of we win. We're part of a group that has heaven. We just sang a song called when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And you know what? Some of us didn't sing it at all. Some of us sang it like this. When we all... And if anybody was looking at you, they would wonder, do you believe? Are you picking up what you're putting down? Is the message that you're singing even real? I want to tell you something. We're going to be in 1 Peter 3 this morning if you've got your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read to you a message of hope, but I also want to do something else. As, as I read to you this message of hope, I want you to think about the idea of we're supposed to be part of a group that is victorious. We're supposed to be part of a group that has won. We're supposed to be people who sing songs like this. The battle belongs to the Lord and I'm part of his church. But if I'm being truthful, I don't do this all the time. First Peter chapter 3. Let's look at this passage here because it says something to us, I believe, that can propel us and that will matter this morning. Just a little background for you here, and I don't like to jump all over the Bible. I like to just keep it clear here. So we're going to camp out right here in 1 Peter 1. But in the first two verses here, backdrop for you, things are tough. Things are difficult. To use my little sports metaphor here, guess what? It is the bottom of the sixth. You are down four. People are packing up their chairs. Game over. But he says, wait, verse three, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us, you ready? New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I, I gave you a baseball illustration earlier, but let me tell you something. There are times when I'll be coaching first base and I will do just this windmill move. I'll just send them. And I'll send the kids because I love it. And I think, I make, I think it makes it exciting. The parents and coaches are going, who let the idiot on first base? All right, who let this guy over here doing this? And there will be people that will look at us and go, you are crazy. You're not going to win a game. But then at the very end, when you've got the W in your corner, people are coming up to you saying this. Good game, coach. Here, look at this first point here on the screen here. You ready? Winning cures everything. 
When you win, when you post the W, people are going nuts. And this isn't just a sports illustration. Think about the person at work that doesn't always follow the rules. All right? Whether or not it's your private school and it's dress code, whether or not it's over here at the office and it's turning in the reports, whether or not it's we all have been here or know the person. But when they win, when they deliver, when they hit the quota, when they knock it out of the park, you ready? It's all good. Right, when they handle their business, well, this person, they're more of an artist. All right, they're, they're, they're a creative soul. All right, they don't follow the rules, but they get the right results. And there are people all the times that will say this, you can't argue with results. All right, and for some of you, you're like, yeah, amen. And other you're like, right, you know, I, I can't handle this. People aren't following protocol. But the idea is supposed to be here, many people have said this for years, that winning cures everything. But if I am a Christian who believes in passages like this in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth. And He says He has given us a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's forget the sports illustration, okay? Let's forget the work environment. In my life, the message of we win. Heaven is mine. Eternal life has been promised to me. Does that cure everything? Should it? Should it change my outlook? Should it change my attitude? Should it change the way that I talk to people every day? The answer is an unequivocal yes. Winning's supposed to cure everything. It does not mean families won't fall apart. It doesn't mean that depression will not creep into my life. It doesn't mean that I won't make mistakes at work that I have to say, I am so sorry. It doesn't mean that I won't hurt people. It doesn't mean that people won't hurt me. But guess what? Winning's supposed to cure everything. Do not hear this message and think, oh, so we're supposed to be shiny, happy people who just roll through like robots all the time. No, but what I'm supposed to tell you is we are supposed to be people who live like we have hope. We're supposed to be people that live like we have a Lord who said this, I gave you a son. I gave you a gift. And I don't do it. I don't do it nearly enough because life creeps in. And I want to ask you this question this morning as a leader of your family. I want to ask you this. In your family, does your family believe in victory? Do they believe that the Bible changes lives? Guess what? If your family would say no... The old school movie, Remember the Titans, that they're arguing in the movie, and he says, you've got a terrible attitude. And he looks at him and he says this, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. If, if I've got an attitude problem in my home, hey, it's going to start right here. Elders, got an attitude problem in your church, what's happening from the top? Organizations, you got an attitude problem with your workers, what's happening at the top? Winning is supposed to cure everything. In the sense of the way that I walk, the way that I talk, the confidence I'm supposed to have in Jesus. But if I don't believe in this passage from the beginning, let me tell you something. It won't. But let's keep reading in verse 4. And into, and I love this part, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. We have an inheritance that's been promised to us. We win because something has been handed down to us. And guess what? We've had it 
since we were baptized into Christ. Next point here when it comes to winning is this point you hear a lot of times in sports. People will say this, act like you've been there before. Since my son isn't here this morning, I can tell this. I'll have to change it in second service. But we went from flag football into the world of pads. And we went into the world of pads, and it was a whole new world with a whole lot of controversy of some people saying you should do it, some people saying you shouldn't do it, they're ready, they're not ready. But the first time my son got the football and actually made it into the end zone, I think his whole body and head exploded, and he did everything he'd ever seen on ESPN. He looked like Michael Jackson gone bad. All right, some of you are like, that's redundant. All right, but, but he got in there and just did all of these moves. Uh, held the ball out before, football people are going to die here, held the football out before he crossed over the goal line, got in there and started doing crazy moves, got them from mom, not dad, did all of these different things in there, and one of the coaches came up to me and he said, Taffy, I need to talk to you about Wyatt, and they'd already watched the film, and I said, yeah, 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 I know, I know, and I said, he needs to act like he's been there before, and this coach told me, I'm not worried about that, just don't hold the football out before you get over the line, because they're going to knock it out, and I thought, I need some backup here, coach, so I go home, like good dad, I, I ride him pretty hard, what are you doing out there, like, like what, what's that number, if you do that again, good dad here, mom's going to kill you. All right, if you do that move again, we're in trouble. And I said this, I got down on one knee, all right, looked him right in the eye, and I said, you've got to act like you've been there before. No smile, two seconds. I haven't. He looks right back at me and says, I've never been there before, Dad. Uh, this, is, this is my first time. And I said, okay, from this day forward, you'd act like you've been there before. Act like you know what you're doing there. Don't act like a circus clown that just got out and is going nuts in the end zone. Let me ask you a question. Every day of my life, when I wake up, I'm on the winning team. Every day that I wake up, we, we just sang a song about soldiers of Christ to rise. And it said, we are more than what? Conquerors. Romans 8, 37. I am more than conquerors through who? Through him who loved us. Every day, hear this part. Every day that I wake up in Christ. Check it out, church. I win. Every day that God gets me up. One, the man who baptized me at Creve Hall's name was Paul Tucker. He would always pray this prayer. God, wake me up tomorrow if you've got something for me to do. Whoa. All right? You're going to wake up angry after that? God, wake me up tomorrow if you have something for me to do. Every day that I wake up, I win. You know why? Because of this verse that we read right here about an inheritance. About something that's been laid down for me. About something that's been done for me. You know what I need to do? I need to act like I've been there before. I'm not just talking about a little kid scoring a touchdown in an end zone, all right? I'm talking about waking up every day saying, yes, his mercies are new every morning. But you know what? This is something I'm supposed to live in every day. I don't need to act like somebody who's shocked that I'm going to heaven. If I asked you to stand up right now and I said, are you going to heaven? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I believe in God's grace. I was bad yesterday, but I'm going to heaven because God is so good. Some of you would say this, I'm not comfortable standing up right now because of yesterday. I'm not comfortable standing up right now because of, of last month. I'm not comfortable standing up right now because that sounds arrogant. An inheritance that I have in Jesus Christ is supposed, hear this part church, it's supposed to promote confidence. 
It's supposed to promote somebody who says this, I believe that we win. And I believe that I can show you how to win as well. It's not arrogance. It's not something where I look here and say, because I win, that means you're a loser. All right? It says that because I win, guess what? It has nothing to do with me, everything to do with him. It's an inheritance that has been given to me through Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 4. It says, and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, or never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. If I can't be confident in a message like this, in a passage that was written in the middle of turmoil, guess what? On a good day, if I can't live through this, I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing. Marty and I were, were cracking some jokes this week. Actually, it was more me. He listened. And we were talking about songs this week and what we were going to pick. And I said, you know what? I may preach on, tell me what your favorite song is. And so he started giving me some hard songs. And I said, oh, I don't know if I can preach on that one, man. That's tough. I don't know what that word means. And as I was going through all of these songs, this next slide that you see here is one that kept jumping out to me. It's an old school lyric from a song here. Heaven will be worth it all. Heaven will be worth it all. And that, to me, is the ultimate victory. I better tell myself this tonight. Tonight, when Sunday rolls around, and you start to feel like Sunday's slipping away. So you're like, oh, Tap, don't talk about that right now. We're still at church, man. Don't go there yet. But you know the feeling. Sunday starts to creep around, and you start to get that feeling of, oh, tomorrow's the grind. Tomorrow's Monday. Oh, oh, it's bad. I'm thinking about it here. Guess what? Heaven will be worth every way that you might feel on Monday. Let me tell you something. If your home is not what you want it to be, if your home doesn't have everybody in it that you want to have in it, if your heart is empty this morning, because guess what? There are times that people have left, people have broken your heart, or you feel like maybe I've given it away too much. The reality of the gospel and the reality of winning, the reality of an inheritance is this. Heaven will be worth it all. There are times in your life where you'll think, you know what, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's true because it's tough. Verse 5 says this, Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Sometimes we feel like salvation is coming, but it's taken a long time. Have you been there? Man, heaven is coming, but, but I feel like it's a long time away. And this world is tough. John 10.10 10 says this, that we are to have an abundant life. That he came for us to have a big life. And that's not just some spiritual band-aid or some prescription that we just throw on it. But it's a reality for us that no matter what I'm going through now, if I feel like I'm losing, I need to remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. If I feel like I'm losing, I need to remember that heaven will surely be worth it all. If I don't know where I'm going to live tomorrow, heaven will be worth it all. If I don't know if this church thing is even worth it or good because it's full of hypocrites, let me tell you something, there's always room for one more, and heaven will be worth it all. If I don't know what my job's going to look like this fall, guess what? Heaven will be worth it all because if it's not Everything that we're doing here is in vain. And look at this last part of the passage. In verse 5, when it rolls on down, it says this, 
It says that that's that, that salvation is ready to be revealed. And it says through faith you are shielded by God's power if you believe in the power of God. If I believe that God is the author of winning, let me tell you something. That's enough. Some people want to make it difficult. Some people want to make it complex. Some people want to beat it up and try to think about it as much as we can. Last point this morning. I don't know, I don't have to know everything about heaven in order to get there. Have you been in this spot before? Some people think they have to know everything about a sport to play it. I've got to know everything about my job to accept it. I've got to know everything about filling the blank in order to engage in it. Let me tell you something. If you're worried about who you're going to know in heaven, if you're worried about what I've got to do and what I've got to check and what I've got to cross off and how good I've got to be, if Christianity was only about behavior modification... If it was only about me performing and excelling all the time, if it was only about me understanding, well, if you go up here and you hang a left and then you live right for 37 years, then you'll make it to heaven. Guess what? We would all be in trouble. I don't have to know everything about heaven in order to go there. What I have to know is that I believe that God is the author of winning. And I believe that Jesus Christ and the hope that I'm supposed to have in him is supposed to be a hope, you ready church, that is enough. And if you chose to be here this morning, we're probably going to fall in two different groups of people. We've got people who have been coming to this church for a, quite a while. It's almost a ritual. You get up, you get dressed, I know i got to leave the house by such and such 30-something in order to make it to the church house. I know if we make it by this time, we'll be up here. Make it by this time, we'll be back there. We'll, we'll come in, we'll see people, hey, family, we exit to the east. All right, no donuts today. All right, and we've got our little rituals and traditions that we try to use to make it in. If that's all it is, then this whole thing is in vain. If it's about me following a GPS to get to a church and to check off everything, and you know what, I may or may not go to heaven, I may or may not have a hope, this may or may not be real, guess what? That whole deal is just going to a place, checking in and checking out. But if I believe this morning that because of Jesus Christ, I have victory, and if I believe because of Jesus Christ this morning that I am on a team that is won and that is victorious, uh, let me tell you again, that's not arrogant. That's called having confidence in the inheritance that has been given to me. And maybe this morning, we all need to go back to the way we were when we were little kids. Kids that believed in victory. Last night we chose to, we were in this little season of, hey, what, what movie can we get? What movie can we watch? And so if you tell your big kids that as long as you get the little kids down, you'll watch a movie, oh man, they're helpers. All right, and so they put those little kids down, we get them asleep. And last night's choice was Field of Dreams. Uh, old school classic, and it's funny, when you watch old movies, you're like, oh, it's not as good as it used to be, or it's produced differently. But we're watching this movie, and there were several moments where we're like, oh, hey, look over here, you know, squirrel, making them look over there so they didn't hear this word or see this part. But in, in the whole movie, the message is, you know, if you build it, they will come, and, and there's this whole deal here. But there's a line that happens a couple times, and, and the baseball players say this, is this heaven? And they'll say, no, 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 this is Iowa. 
and, and Wyatt loved it. He thought that was hilarious. And he said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, heaven. He goes, are you going to tell them about Iowa? I'm like, no, 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 no. And it, the whole concept, though, there's a moment in it where the man looks, and you can say this is theologically flawed, but I loved it. He says, is this heaven? And he goes, well, what is heaven? And he says, heaven is a place where all of your dreams come true. And you're like, heaven, by Disney. All right. But he says, heaven is a place where all of your dreams come true. And he says, well, maybe it is. And when you think about a description like that, heaven is where your hope is fulfilled. Heaven is where when we get there, hear this part, church, I don't have to have hope or faith anymore. Because what's the Bible tell me? It says the greatest of these is love because that's what remains in heaven. And for me and for you this morning, that means victory. For us as a church this morning, that means winning. And I use illustrations from my kids a lot for one simple reason. I believe that God has given them to me. I believe that God has shown me his love in their life every day. But I also use them a lot because I like to go back to that little kid singing victory in Jesus at the top of his lungs, believing every word, thinking that there is victory in Jesus because of what he did I can live. And we said there are two types of people that are here this morning. There are people that have been at this church for a long time. And maybe as we sing a song of invitation, you need to come and you need to say this. You know what? I haven't lived like somebody who's won. I'm going to be honest. I haven't done it for as long as I can remember. And I want to reconnect. That's why we offer an invitation. And if you're somebody who's here this morning and you think, you know what? I've been thinking about being baptized for a long time. That's something I may get around to doing one day. Simple question for you. You want to win? Do you believe in victory? And do you believe that that victory comes from Jesus? Jesus Christ was perfect and he was baptized. I am far from perfect. So you know what I do? I jump in the water. And that is an invitation to you this morning. If I am somebody that says this, I believe that the battle belongs to the Lord. I believe in songs like Victory in Jesus. I believe in opportunities. And that's why we have an opportunity. If I need to be baptized into Christ or if I need to reconnect my life this morning to say this, I believe that we win. That's a message of hope. It's the reason that we live and it's the reason today that we sing. Stand with us if you will. Come forward if you have a need.